You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind-the-scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys. So we are coming to the end of this special little series that we did on literally with Shelby while Rachel is on her break. We will be back with Rachel next week to get an update on all things postpartum. She's about three weeks out at that point. So that'll be really exciting to get back to speaking to her and get an update on her and Toby and how they're doing and how her family's doing. So looking forward to that, but also very pumped for you to get to listen to this third and final of this series. We don't actually do coaching in this episode. I really wanted you guys to be able to hear from Shelby outside of coaching, but get to hear her experience and expertise in a different way. Shelby has so much to offer and talks so eloquently and beautifully in this session about the ways that we can create safe space, not only for ourselves, but safer space for others, which is obviously so important in the work that we're doing too. So there are so many like just beautiful nuggets in here, but really, you know, what we're kind of doing is just bringing together that idea of like making the leap out of those things and institutions that made us feel safe. We talk about trusting yourself. We talk about slowing down. We talk about the patriarchy. We talk about creating safer space for others. It is just really a cool episode that I think will serve you a ton. And I'm just glad that you guys will get to know Shelby in a different way. I think everyone that has been on literally for the past three seasons, I've definitely not only wanted you to hear their coaching, but I've wanted you to hear from them too. So wanted to have that opportunity here with Shelby as well. And again, so grateful to her. I just really marvel at how ready and vulnerable she came to these sessions and how excited she was to support other people by getting them out there. So please, please, please go send her some love. And again, thank you guys all for being here and for listening. I'm so excited to be here with you again. Me too. I've been super looking forward to this all week. I just love our time together. I'm like, what else can we do? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hang out longer and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, we are back, guys, basically here this time to not do coaching, but to kind of give you some context and application. So you listen to our first two sessions together. I think that initial session was around like that safety of like, believing in um, like entrepreneurship and yourself as that safe piece, not the license. I feel like the second one was kind of like grounding into that safety and the support that's around you. And so today we basically wanted to invite you into a conversation of how to make that applicable to you. So how to, you know, make the leap, how to feel safety inside of yourself, how to trust yourself versus the institution, and then how to create that safe space for others, which Shelby is totally an expert at. So basically, we're going to kind of dive into Shelby, uh, dive into Shelby, dive in <laughs> with Shelby around this so that you get to see her not only be coached as you did in those sessions, but in this session really get her expertise a lot more. And for context, there's been quite a bit of space between when we recorded those. Um, like three months, right? 
I think so. Yeah, it feels like it's been a little while. Yeah, so we'll kind of get an update too. So you're kind of getting this like cool experience where you just listen to them that we're doing an update months later. So that's that. I would love it if you, um, Shelby, just tell them like a little bit more about you, get get them to know you a little bit better since they kind of have through the coaching, but not through all the intricacies of who you are and what you do. Oh my gosh, that is an enormous question. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us exactly everything about you, please, and thank you. (laughs) I am like so multifaceted and so layered that this is going to take a while. Um, so I am, you know, a trained somatic psychotherapist. That is my background. And, um, now I work as a coach and obviously I, we, we address that, but my, in my heart of hearts, uh, the work that I do is around trauma and helping folks heal and resolve trauma and really, really get in their bodies and their nervous systems, how to feel a lot safer in the world and in themselves so that they can really thrive. And that comes from my own history, you know, of experiencing so much emotional neglect, so much gaslighting, so much crazy making, a lot of big changes with not a lot of warning, a lot of inconsistency, and not much attunement or connection. Um, and somehow I bumped my way through life and through my mm-hmm. healing and growth path in a way where I've got to experience so much. I just feel, I feel really fortunate because, well, there's been a, sh- a ton of suffering and, and pain from the trauma that I experienced. I've also like devoured every aspect of life that I possibly could Mm -hmm. and explored the far ends of all the different kinds of healing I could do and traveled the world and worked while I was traveling the world um, as a coach. And I just feel like so moved that as someone who survived a pretty intense amount of trauma, that there is life beyond that. And I want others to both get to see like, yes, healing is possible, but also I'm still a very tender, vulnerable human being that experiences a lot of self-doubt and not enoughness and questions all sorts of things. And, um, that I get to be all of it and I'm wanting to be received in the world like that. And I'm wanting to model that for others. So I think that's a big part of why I reached out to you too. I was like, let's do this live, you know, So because mm-hmm. I want to be vulnerable. I want to show people I don't have it all together. And I really want to feel guided and supported and in the never ending ongoing process of resolving trauma and feeling more and more supported and able to soak that up. Oh, good. I uh, I wrote down what you said. I have devoured every aspect of life. Like, well, if that isn't like a the whole freaking goal, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> that is yeah. like so beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it's a little double-edged, you know, because I was searching for something that was probably living inside myself the whole sure. time. Sure, But totally. I also got to have so many rich experiences. And so they worked out. I love that. I think that we'll just give them a little context for how we kind of came to this. And then I would also love for you to um, talk a little bit about what you're doing now. So um, we'll kind of circle back around to that at the end, but just, you know, for context of what um, work you're doing in the world right now as we kind of go through those questions. But Shelby and I actually met at 
a mutual love of ours birthday. <laughs> uh, Julia Wells and we, um, we kind of just tangentially, you know, connected there. And then Shelby reached out to me and we had talked quite a bit about, um, you know, this, this stress that so many, um, of our friends that come from the therapy world are under. And that's sort of what led us to that first session. But what I think came out of that was like so beautiful and so much more of that, which is that like leaping out of institutions that made us feel safe and like creating safety in yourself and trusting yourself. And I just like love how that all came together. And so whether you're coming from that therapy background or not, I think it's still that idea of like coming from the background of an institution that made you feel safe, whether that was like your nine to five or something else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's sort of what got us to start all of this. And then it's kind of evolved in a couple different ways since then. But so excited for you guys to have gotten to hear that because I think the other thing that I want to say about it too, and Shelby, I'm curious, like your, your take on this, which you touched on a little bit, but it's really vulnerable to like process that on, you know, a podcast, right? And it's really um, a gift because I feel like the therapeutic community is not necessarily as transparent about like having to make those decisions and things like that. So um, it was just like so amazing that it kind of evolved in that way. But was there any hesitation for you or did that feel like really good right away? I feel like it's really easy being with you to have things feel good right away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know that it would have necessarily felt like that with a lot of other people, but that your welcomeness and I could really feel like there was not any judgment and that you're really genuinely there to, to dig into what, what wisdom was really wanting to speak through me, you know, mm-hmm. and, so, yeah, it feels vulnerable, but it also feels kind of fun. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I totally feel you on that, where it almost feels like you're sort of just like diving in, but it's like this exhilarating kind of thing that can feel scary, but also feels like really exciting, right? Yeah. And, you know, just going through it together makes all the difference for me. I have a really hard time making decisions by myself. I get really mm-hmm. lost in my head and I think part of me was reaching to you, a colleague who had also gone through this process in many ways. I would think I was like, I need permission from you, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just felt really nice to be in the process together and have you direct me back to myself and what my wisdom said. Mm -hmm. And I think what was so interesting too, is that, you know, as therapists or as people, um, in that arena, like it's, I think it's such a gift for others to see, like, we still have the same stuff to process. We still have all the same needs in in terms of someone holding space for us, right? Like, I think that that's a really important piece too. Oh, we need it more than anyone else on the planet. Yeah. (laughs) Therapists so easily hide behind their, um, you know, status or license or role And it's really convenient to do that. But the reality is most of us came into this profession, most of us probably, this is an assumption, because we're really struggling, suffering, hurting, feeling insane. That was me. And we tend to like like this profession because it helps us figure that out and work it out. And 
not everybody needs that, you know? So we do, we need a lot of support to be able to embrace what we're coming in with. 100%. And it's actually, that's true of coaches too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like we've all been like on a healing journey or path and it's what like draws us in. So it's kind of like the blessing and the curse of it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I think anybody in a care role yeah. Has that they're coming in for a reason. I don't, I don't buy that it's just to be of service. Not one bit. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I totally, uh, became a therapist because I needed and loved therapy myself so much. Right. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. So good. Okay. So I would love to know, like, how have things kind of been for you since sort of making that decision that um, you're kind of like trusting yourself. You're not trusting the institution. Like, just give us like a little bit of a rundown there. I think several things have happened. One, I just feel a lot more freedom to do whatever I want in my business. Mm. <laughs> you know, like whatever ideas and mastermind things that I come up with, um, I'm feeling a lot more creative. Like, there's just space to to use my voice and my creativity and what I really want to be doing with people in a way where I feel like I have a lot more permission to do that because that's really coming from inside of me. Mm -hmm. I'm also noticing it's just like so many, so many clients have called me since we've had that session. You know, I already have a pretty steady stream, but it was like something energetically opened up where it was like, Oh, you do, you're, you're open and available as a coach. I'm going to reach out to you. And so I just thought that was a really interesting thing to take note of when I stopped wobbling and leaking energy that all of a sudden, ah, so many people are right here knocking at my door. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was so scared that not having a license would be like a deterrent. So that was something that I noticed. And I actually, since then have, I did a um a live or I don't know, Julia Wells and I created an online training about what to do if you're stressed out by sales calls. And my whole thing was focused on long-term uh, relationships. And I realized in that process that my business is full, you know, my practice is full. Like yeah. I don't actually have to open up ever again because my clients who I love dearly and who I've cultivated connections with over the last 12 years, like I only have spots available for them to keep coming back. You know, they'll take pauses and then some big life thing will come back and they'll want to come in and return. And I always want to have space for them. And Mm -hmm. I just realized I'm full (laughs) and I never really gave myself permission to stop calling in brand new clients. And then something in me settled. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's done. It's already done. I've been doing this for so long and there's no scarcity here. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say. That was so, so amazing. I think, you know, something that you said, like not having the license felt like it was going to be a deterrent. I think that you were definitely in a different position there than I was in the sense that I never finished getting, (laughs) getting one. So I never had to let go of it. But I think that that's something really um, important to say, because I think that's applicable to people. Like, I think it's almost easier when you never got the big promotion to let go of the job or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Or when you never got the license to kind of step out of it. But I think that, um, 
you know, just like huge kudos to you in, in being able to do that. Because like I, the clients that have gotten the big promotion and I see them leave or whatever, I can just feel the way in which that, that is a bit of a harder lift. And so I think that's really cool to just have made that lift and then see how it was not in fact the deterrent in any way. It kind of like created that even bigger opening in relation to that, right? Yeah. And nothing changed on the outside. You know, I didn't start working differently. I didn't change a thing on my website. You know, I didn't, (laughs) I don't talk about my work any differently. It was all internal shift that created that feeling of freedom. And I think that energetic opening. Mm -hmm. And then I really loved the frame that you used where you said something inside me settled. Yeah. I think just making a decision instead yes. of like going back and forth and back and forth for years, literally, just gave me the ability to take an exhale and really ah, not have to hold so much tension in my body and come back and feel myself in a more grounded and centered way. I have noticed that so much in myself and in clients. I love that you described it through the decision lens where like, I now am in the practice of like making a ton of decisions, even if it's just for right now, because I always feel more settled when I'm in a decision, even if I later want to change my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Versus in the interim of not deciding. I remember when I was deciding this year um, in May, I closed down my one-on-one practice for the rest of the year. And that was like a really, really tough decision for me at the time. And I remember being like, I'm just going to make it right now. Like I have to just make it because I can feel how intense it feels in my body to be like wondering about this. And then it, like you said, as soon as I made it, I maybe had like a couple days of like processing it, but like, it just felt so different and so good and so resolved in a way that it wouldn't have if I had sat with that for a long time. Mm, when you said that I felt my entire body relax, <laughs> it just mm-hmm. felt ah, so much more space. So if you're listening that there you go, that's a hack. Just make decisions <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done, but definitely the hack and get yourself supported around, you know, making those decisions certainly. But like when you're finding yourself in that constant place of should I or shouldn't I, you are just going to necessarily experience more stress around it. Yeah. Yeah. And the support, the support is really key. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. And I think like (laughs) you had mentioned, like you almost felt like you needed that permission, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I noticed that that's almost like 90% of everything. Like I got um, relationship coaching this year and I like joked with her, uh, Luke, I pretty much just hired you to come on every session and for, and for you to be like, well, what if it was okay? (laughs) What if it was fine? Like what? And just give me that like constant permission, like, which I like really needed after like a difficult divorce. Like I kind of needed to settle back into that permission of like, what if relationships were okay and fine? Right. Oh, yeah, that's a version of what I feel like I do really well with my clients. It's like every single emotion slash experience slash thought that, yeah, everything is welcome. It mm-hmm. all makes a hundred percent sense that you're experiencing that and it's okay. It's, it's totally fine. Yeah. I think that that's such a key. Like 
get support around making the decision and realize that it's sometimes just, just okay if you need permission and help in doing that. Like that's not like an abdication of power. I think that's just really like a beautiful gift we can give each other as humans, right? Yeah. And we're collaborative human beings. We shouldn't have to do it all alone. Mm-hmm. So true. So tell me, how have you kind of felt like that safety internally? So we're saying like it was something that kind of settled. Like, how have you kind of been ongoingly creating that safety after that decision, after seeing like some of those shifts? What's the ongoing practice there? Mm, I think it's definitely a daily practice. And it's it's not specific to this topic. It's kind of specific to every moment, uh, especially because I come from a place where I didn't feel safe. You know, I was Mm -hmm. frightened a lot. And so it's a real practice for me to tap into this present moment, like right now in this exact moment. Is there anything that brings me a sense of safety? You know, and it can be something so simple. And usually it's just something like that's connected to pleasure or ease, something soothing to look at, like the light on the trees or my fuzzy blanket that I'm sitting with right now. You know, it's so simple. But the reality is when I, and when I'm in the future, like fretting and worrying and thinking, and I'm in the past ruminating, this, I don't feel very safe. But when I can do things that let me come right here and right now, really religiously, it's so much more helpful. And so it's, it's like constantly what, what would feel really good right now? What is the most loving thing I can do for myself in this moment? And that could literally be anything, but just asking me myself that question and giving myself permission to ask myself that, that creates safety because what I'm trying to do is create a safe relationship inside of myself, <laughs> like an attuned human who's really here for all of the fears, all of the grief, all of the loss, all of the celebrations, all of the joy. And so it's like more building that relationship and then reaching a lot more for the support around me, calling friends. I've been doing that more than ever in my life. I'm just like, Hey, do you have a minute? Something's really up and letting myself be vulnerable because I used to just only save that for my therapist or somebody I paid, which was not, which was wonderful, but also like gave, gave me this reinforced message that, um, I'm a burden, you know? So mm-hmm. oh, just letting myself feel safe to feel vulnerable with friends, um, honestly surrounding myself with little kids. I've been surrounded with all of my neighbor kids for the last three months. And they just naturally, the ones I'm around anyways, seem like they're very safe in themselves and very confident. Mm -hmm. And just being around them, it kind of, the playfulness has helped me feel like more solid and steady in myself, which contributes to a sense of safety. And yeah, I, my coach, my therapist, I feel like I'm leaving out so much, but those things come to mind first. I mean, I feel like we could just stop now. Like you guys like know, like that's like everything, right? Like I think that was like absolutely epic. Like (laughs) 
because, and what I'm like taking away from that a little bit that I think is almost a little bit of a theme, which is like safety is a feeling I can cultivate versus one specific circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is something that we have to find within ourselves for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm really into somatic work, but not all of us can feel into our bodies. But for me, when I can find something in my body that just feels okay, that's automatically moving me towards, oh, I can choose safety in this moment if I am legitimately safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Certainly there's like a mechanism for like, I need to actually be legitimately safe in this circumstance, of course. Right. But yeah. I think it's like so cool to hear how like it it's almost too easy to project it onto the circumstance of I have a license. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Or I have a certain job or whatever versus like the cultivation of that feeling internally. Yeah. And you know, it's like so much more simple than we want to make it too. I mean, Amen. I don't want to sound dismissive because I've been looking for safety for 39 years. So <laughs> Um, I, it's not simple in practice, but like the concepts are simple. I think it's a lot like mindset work in a sense, right? Where it's like the concept is very simple. Putting it into practice every day in your life is really the work, so to speak. Right. And I think that's, that's what you're saying here too. For me, my, um, my word of the year this year is presence. Hmm. So I resonated a lot with some of the other stuff you were saying about like finding it right now in this moment with the blanket or with the light or things like that. I think, you know, not rushing past things so much, but really like noticing that like you can kind of bring the feelings in in the moment has been such a cool um, thing that I've been playing with a ton more this year. I read The Power of Now like years ago. Hmm. And was like, huh, I don't really get it. <laughs> and just kind of like, <laughs> you know, moved right along. And then I revisited, I think at the end of last year, and I was like, oh my God, this is everything. <laughs> oh, I love how that happened. <laughs> right. And and that's why I picked it as my word of fear because I was like, this is like this is calling to me in a new way. And so my point in saying that too is I just resonate really deeply with that where it is like a moment to moment decision to pull that in, to feel that in your body, to be in the moment kind of thing that we so often don't give ourselves in business, but is actually kind of the secret in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to say, probably I left it out, but the number one and most quick way I access safety in my body is I feel the whole back of my body. Mm-hmm. I like, I imagine that I could lean into a whole line of people, maybe ancestors or anyone that has my back, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's what it would feel like if people were really cheering me on. And even though it's my imagination, I can still feel it. It's like it's real. And what happens when that occurs, right, is that we stop making up the stories because we're already in the feeling, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're taking up all that space in our mind with the feeling instead of all the thoughts. Right. So if the thought is like, oh my God, but if I give up this, 
you know, license, it's going to be a deterrent and whatever. And like our brain can spin out on that. And so then when you can kind of bring in that feeling of safety, it's really hard for both of those to be living there at the same time. Right. Yeah, exactly. So good. So in terms of that daily practice, are you someone that kind of like really sets aside the like time to do that? Or are you kind of like, I'm doing that moment to moment, hour to hour (laughs) kind of thing? Oh my gosh, this 16, 17 year meditation teacher is going to bust herself right now. But <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I cannot get a daily practice under my belt. I, I, there have been many times where I have pushed myself into one, but yeah. it has never felt like super nourishing. I have got, you know, so then I shifted it to regular practice. And that's what I would really teach everyone is like, how, how can you be consistent? Like once a week, three times a week, what's your bottom line that works for you? And for me, these days, I'm always shifting and playing with it. It's really like, what is one thing I can do today that will connect me with my presence where I'll feel settled, I'll feel steadier, I'll feel safer. And it could be anything from walking in nature, from singing, meditating, breath work. Um, I have these, the developmental trauma, uh, somatic regulation practices. I do a lot. Um, and I, it's too much to explain, but really like settling into the various organs of my body in really loving ways. And it's like one thing a day that pulls me into the presence into the present and it could be mm-hmm. anything. And that permission has really made it so much easier and more pleasurable to come into the present moment because it wasn't <laughs> this big demand and thing I had to add to my to-do list. I really like that. And, you know, I think that, you know, like the quote unquote, like daily practice helps us form a habit where we're thinking about that thing being important. But I think you just have years and years and years and years under your belt of like knowing that thing is important. So you're really good at just making the space for it every day without it having to be so rude. Does that feel true? That does feel true. I thank you for pointing that out because the many years of really, yeah, practicing and maybe pushing myself hard, maybe sometimes too hard, it has made it so I get the benefit of it. So like first thing this morning, what did I do? I didn't pop up onto a meditation cushion, but... I lay there for 45 minutes and uh, got really present with my kidneys, my adrenals, my belly, my womb, you know. And so it doesn't look like a formal meditation practice, but I'm doing the exact same thing in a more comfortable way. For sure. I find that with myself with mindset too. Like I used to be a lot more strict. I guess I'm like kind of using hand quotations strict um, (laughs) in terms of like, it was at a certain time and it was a thing. And now I'm just like, I can't imagine a world in which I go to bed without having like done at least a page of journaling that day, whether it happens like first thing in the morning or if I do it before bed or if I'm doing it on my lunch break or what, like, it's just a thing that like, I just know it's like brushing my teeth almost. Right. Yeah. It's amazing how we get there. Like I have been at war with myself about just about everything for a very long time. And it's like, I could get there through beating myself up to get there and telling myself what I'm doing isn't enough and I need this kind of structure or that. Or I can just start taking in the moments when I am doing it and Mm -hmm. really enjoy it. And then the brain is like, wait, I like this. I want more of it. And then it's like so much easier to come back to it over and over again. 
so good. I I couldn't agree more. Like I feel like the more you create a positive association, the the easier it is. And what we're usually doing is like negative. Like I didn't journal, I suck. Well, now my association with journaling shit too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, so funny how that is. Um, so one thing that that kind of brings up for me is sort of this idea of self trust. Like I think you just trust that you're going to do these practices. I trust that I'm going to do these practices. So I think that's part of it. But I think it's also that conversation that we were having about you know, trust in like bigger institutions, like the license, the job, the, even the coaching certification or whatever. Um, so I'm like curious how this has like called you to create that deeper trust within yourself here. Hmm. Like curious how the safety and the letting in the different Letting the license go kind of right. Like that has probably forced you to be like, well, I'm not trusting this institution. I'm trusting myself in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels subtle. It's not like it never is with me, (laughs) like a big boom, but I feel like there are just ways that I'm making decisions now around all sorts of things, like the Mm -hmm. programs that I run and the podcast that I have and this other cool business adventure that I'm on and um, writing a book, all of the things. It's really this, it actually sounds a lot like the practice now that I'm thinking about it, but mm-hmm. oh, is there energy for this right now? Does this feel fun? Does this feel alive? Yes. Instead of a, you should do be doing this or you shouldn't be doing this. It's more of this curiosity relationship where the trust is coming out of listening in a different way of what would I love to have happen next? What is lighting me up? What gives me energy? What brings me pleasure? You know, instead of should, 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 which is really heavy. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Like it basically helped you trust your own guidance more, I think is what you're saying, right? Like you're trusting, like, if it feels good, it feels good. I should do it. If it feels bad, that's a sign, right? Exactly. Yeah. I didn't have those mechanisms before. I, everything was just like so confusing. Sometimes it would feel good, but then it would get me in trouble. Sometimes it would feel bad, but then I would get somewhere awesome anyways. And it was really hard to listen to the deeper, like, yes, here's a little quiet voice that says, more of this, or yes, I feel expansive, or yes, this feels easeful or soothing. And so it really takes for me the willingness to slow down, to really listen, Mm -hmm. to listen well. Now that is a skill. (laughs) I'm not good at it. (laughs) That is such a skill. It's so funny because most of the clients that I work with are very much that like high performer, high achiever. So that idea of like slow down, listen well is almost like what they feel to be the antithesis <laughs> of of how they operate, right? Which is like move fast kind of thing, right? Well, I think that's the patriarchy imprint. Yep, totally. In my mind it is. And so I feel like it's an absolute revolution and act of rebellion to be able to be uncomfortable in that. For me, when I go from fast to slow, it kind of feels like dying every time. And it's so uncomfortable still. But now I know I've had enough benefits enough times where when I've slowed down to really listen and respond from there, that life is so much easier. (laughs) Everything's a lot more fruitful. 
Uh, but it is actually, it feels a little like life or death going from high performance in that one way to a whole different kind of high performance in that other way. I just totally agree with that. Like I, um, I had this thing recently where, um, I had a couple like big business decisions that were sort of like on my mind that needed to be made. And I took like a couple minutes throughout the day to be like, okay, like what do we need to do with this? And I would get overwhelmed and kind of back off from it, if that makes sense. And then one night I was just like, you know, I'm just going to like go sit with myself for a little while. And all the answers were just so obvious, so clear, and so not overwhelming in the least. And it was like just that difference between like, I'm going to go like literally open up the space for this versus like, I have five minutes. How can I make this decision really, really fast? You know what I mean? Like it was just so different. So I just like completely agree with that, which is like the result was better. Yeah. Even, you know what I mean? It's not like I like, I'm still not like getting those decisions made or whatever. It just felt so different versus that rush and pressure vibe that comes from, I think you're totally right, like societal imprinting, the patriarchy, all of that. Well, also, and when you take that kind of slow time or when I do, I can receive what's on the other side so much more fully instead of like just having my foot on the gas pedal to jump onto the next thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, oh, wow, I can drink this in. I can feel nourished by it. And it's from that fullness that the next decision can come, you know? Totally. And it makes it even easier to then like execute on that decision, I think too, because it feels so obvious and clear and light versus this like heavy pressured thing, right? Totally. And this is not easy. I mean, this takes a lot. It really does like impact a lot of uh, us with trauma, especially our survival systems. Yep. Slowing down really may not have been safe for a lot of us. And so it's, it's something that has to happen like in little increments. And so trusting that. Do you think that that has changed for you in having like your own business versus a therapy practice? Like, have you given yourself more permission there in a different way? Mm, Good question. (laughs) I think it it's no different between like therapy and coaching other than coaching is the thing that's happening now and I'm learning slow now. So it's really hard to compare. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's almost like you're just a different being in those circumstances, right? Exactly. I feel like there's a lot more pressure as a coach and as a teacher holding a lot of programs like to be in this yeah. high-powered coaching industry where I'm constantly launching and putting stuff out there with all these bro marketing techniques and like doing sales calls and having the Mm -hmm. most recent, amazing, gorgeous pictures of myself. And like (laughs) that, that definitely, it feels like there's a lot more pressure to go fast. Being a therapist, I felt like I could just put my shawl on, kick my feet up and like turn 80 soon. So it's a little different. I think that's so true. And I think that's why like actually like that whole idea of like safety, creating that safety, that um, finding safety within yourself, self-trust, all of that is actually like required on a whole different level in this industry. Yeah. You know, and this is reminding me, I think it's applicable. There was a really powerful moment that happened last week and it's 
for me, totally related to safety because my loop is I'm not enough. Like in every single aspect mm-hmm. of my life, I'm not enough. What I'm offering isn't enough. Um, it will never be enough for me. It will never be enough for anyone. Else. Like it's just constant. And that creates an incredible lack of safety in my system because mm-hmm. it's like, where can I ever rest? Where can I ever just be? What, where can I lean back? And I reached out to Julia cause I'm in the middle of a launch and, uh, you know, I had planned on it going so much faster and so many more people buying. And like, yet she's like, you know, there are so many people that have bought you. There's like 400 people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was so fixated on not enough, not enough, not enough. And she said something to me that I had really never been told before. And she's like, yeah, you're not enough. <laughs> and it's never going to be enough. And that is totally, absolutely true. And like, you know, in, in some aspect, mm-hmm. uh, according to the patriarchy, especially. And <laughs> if it was just never going to be enough, what do you want to focus on instead? And I mm-hmm. just lit up and I felt like I could, had been under the ocean. And I could breathe again. And I was like, yeah, I am not enough. This is not enough. It's never going to be enough. I just want to focus on like how I want to be doing this, which is in enjoyment, celebrating everyone that's here, preparing for them, you know, having gratitude for everyone that sent people my way, all of that. And it's made the launch like such a safer place for me to be, you know, in my mind and in my body. Oh my God. I love that. That is so good, right? Like you're never going to launch it. Like in a launch, you can literally never do enough, right? Yeah, never, never. There's always something that someone else is doing that you should be doing and you can't do it and work at the same time. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's like a really helpful takeaway too, because that is how you create safety is like you sit in that, you make that okay. And you find that like safe space in yourself that versus that chasing of fixing it, right? Totally. Because I just chose an arbitrary number. I was like, yeah, I'd love (laughs) to have 108 people show up because that's my favorite number. (laughs) It's like, wait, what about all of the 35 people that have signed up up till today and all the people that will sign up before the end of car, you know? (laughs) It's like, it's always 35 has been my goal. I was telling you that earlier. And all of a sudden now that's not enough. No, no, no. Not playing that game. For sure. And even if you got 108, you could easily be like, but should I have set a bigger goal? Was that even a good enough goal? Like, do you know, like, it's just always there. It is always there. That's the imprint. I received that from my lineage. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do I want to be in relationship to that? Mm -hmm. So good. That is I feel like that's like, this is almost like a thing where it's like, go back and listen to this twice (laughs) (laughs) because somebody's going to need to take that in and your brain and system are going to be like really in resistance to that. But like, go back and take that in because it's so true. Like these are the things that if we can feel safe in spite of not having the license, in spite of not hitting that goal, in spite of not having the quote unquote safe job, like everything changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to need to listen to it too, to remind myself when I lose it. (laughs) So good. So tell us like one thing that we touched on and you just touched on, um, quite a bit is like, you know, just kind of reiterating here that idea of like, not only, um, 
you know, holding that safety for ourselves, but getting that support from others. And then as a step out from that, then holding that space for others. Like it's, it's so layered here, right? Like you're getting supported, you're supporting yourself, you're holding space for others. So I would love to kind of end on that because that's obviously where your, you know, area of expertise is hugely, hugely valuable here too, which is basically like holding that safe space for others and what that looks like too. Yeah. I pretty much approach everyone who I work with as though they have had experiences in their life with a facilitator, coach, therapist, teacher, where they haven't felt safe, Mm -hmm. where they haven't felt seen, where they haven't been given permission to bring every single part of themselves. Mm -hmm. Instead of assuming that maybe just one or two people in my class has felt that way. I assume everybody has felt that way, which Mm -hmm. automatically orients me to compassion and like, and connection and remembering that we're not separate. We're not that different from each other. And um, so that gives me a lot of space to really deeply be listening and to also be not taking it personally. When people are having all sorts of a range of experiences um, in coaching with me or in one of my learning experiences, you know, to, to just go, oh my goodness, they feel safe enough to be criticizing me. That is amazing, you know, or they feel safe enough to be, um, you know, expressing to a group member that they're having an issue, you know, and so many coaches or therapists would think there was a problem. And mm-hmm. I don't think anything is a problem. I think everything is information and it gives me a lot more space to just go, Oh, okay. And what kind of support is needed here to build, build more trust and safety. And I don't say safe space. I say safer because I don't think we can be in control of like the other group members. We can't be in control of earthquakes. We can't be in control of who's going to bust through the door or heart attack. You know, there's so many things that, <laughs> that are out of our control. So I'm just aiming for like, how do I welcome people into my space so they can feel safe enough to be present enough to really, really be here mm-hmm. so that we can go through this experience together instead of in this power trip where I'm like the person doing my magic on them. It's like, no, we're doing this together. And to me, that creates a lot of safety. I totally, totally think that that's so valuable because I, I feel like in the coaching space, there's a lot of like, well, I'll tell clients what to do and then they should do it. And if they're not doing it, like that's a problem. <laughs> they're fired. Right? Yeah. Like, holy hell. Um, <laughs> and I think that what you're saying and what I believe too, is like, we can help guide people and then there will probably be all these things that are standing in their way. And that's where the job comes in then to like hold them through that, to walk them through that, to create the space through that. Right. Absolutely. And feeling safe in myself, that means I'm not alarmed when stuff comes up because when we become alarmed, we lose connection with our people and we've lost whatever's happening there. That's what my teacher has taught me. And I really, really believe that, that I have to feel safe enough in myself to be able to be witness to whatever shows up in front of me. And that doesn't mean I can't set healthy boundaries. I can't, uh, like, 
have concerns about a client, you know, but when I go to alarmed, I really lose, lose the connection and that's not helpful. So I have to feel safe enough in myself to be able to weather a lot of storms. Well, and I think it's also, it's interesting that you said like the boundaries and stuff too. When I feel safe enough in myself, I think is when I can make good decisions on that too. Like (laughs) if I feel safe enough in myself, then I can make a good decision to say like, Hey, this client might just not be the fit for this, or they might need other support or something like that. Right. But it's like, it's required for you to be able to sit with that, come to neutral around that and not have that be a reaction to, right? Right. And that means we're not taking anything they're doing personally. And so I'm not reacting to them like they're my um, partner or my friend, you know, it's like, oh yeah, no, you want to come into the sessions late? That's actually not going to work for me. You know, it's not like so charged that you feel like you're going to lose your shit. (laughs) And I think that that is basically the foundation of coaching and therapy. Like if you're getting activated through all of it. Yeah. First of all, you're just going to quit and burn out. But second of all, (laughs) you're going to really not be doing a service to your client either. So tell me, like, do you feel like most people are kind of aware of that and then they're coming to you for support around that? Or do you think that it's almost like new news? when a lot of people are hearing about it, they're like, Oh my God, yes, I'm getting activated. And I didn't even realize that I never thought about that. I think that happens more than anything with, with yeah. people who come to me, especially for my courses that they, one, they don't realize that they're being activated because they don't really understand what that means. Or they've just shamed themselves into thinking yeah. like, um, they, they need, just need to get it together or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. It's almost like we don't even like have a word for it or a name for it or realize what's happening. We're just like, damn, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Oh, the other side is that we think we need to muscle through and seem like we're not impacted by what's Mm. happening in front of us. But the reality is we can be totally impacted, but know how to work with it. So we don't get activated and activated, you know, means we can't stay present and grounded and in a state of responding instead of reacting. Mm-hmm. So good. So what is kind of like the, I, I, I hate the word steps, so I don't want to ask that, but like, do you start with like, when you're teaching someone how to create safer space, like, do you start with like, create that in yourself first or like what, or do you almost start with like, create that with clients first and then self or like, how does that kind of flow? I think because we're all works in progress, it's a little bit of, um, back and forth with both, you know, it's like, okay, today I feel like just creating really great, um, agreements. So I want to use my cortical brain to move towards creating safer space. Oh, today my system is feeling really dysregulated and I'm going to dive into a process around that, you know, and I often, say, you know, you don't tell people you're going to create a safer space or safe space, you show them. And so Mm -hmm. it's going to take so many elements, both with left brain, right brain, and them together (laughs) to really be able to, to build that over time. It's like the whole thing doesn't have to happen tomorrow, but it's like, what little thing can I do to support myself to feel more safe? What little thing can I do to build into my practice where, People, at the moment they touch in with me, my website, my email, whatever, they feel welcome and cared for, you know, and it's just like what one little thing and it can take years to build that. I really like that because I think that that 
theme is very permission giving where it's not like, well, you just do this one thing and you just set it up like this and then you just take this and then it should all be perfect. It's like this living, breathing, kind of evolving, changing process that you're constantly um, holding yourself and others in. Like I'm noticing that in my own business and um, I was mentioning earlier, like the being on a you know, that having one-on-one clothes. And so we've been on a wait list. And so we're having people come on the wait list. And so I've had to like re-engage myself and like, well, how do, how do we make the wait list even feel like a good space? How do we like create that rate when someone comes in? Cause we're having different touch points with them than we used to. And so it's basically like at, at different levels of your business, you'll have to rework it as well. It's not finite, right? Oh my gosh. I am reworking it all the time still. And the more I learn, you know, the, yeah. then I'm like, oh no, I thought I was creating safer space doing that. Just kidding. you know. And then I have to, we all, we're all constantly evolving and shifting. And it's not just about the people coming to us. It's about us and our changing, evolving nervous systems and yeah. what feels good to us. All, every single one of us who's doing trauma-informed whatever we're doing, it's going to look different depending on our own systems. Mm-hmm. Totally. So good. So can you tell us a little bit about um, the program itself and how people can find it? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my course called Creating Safer Space is about trauma awareness or trauma-informed care for essentially anyone who facilitates anything. The majority of people that are in it are coaches, therapists, yoga teachers, meditation teachers, breathwork facilitators, like leadership trainers. And um, it's usually a go at your own pace kind of experience. Every now and then we do live experiences where I'll come in and like answer a whole bunch of questions and all of those recordings are in there so that everyone gets that information. And what I love about it, it's kind of a mix of clinical from my clinical psychotherapist background and also really accessible to people who don't want all the jargon and the like really intense trauma concepts. It's, it's not about resolving anyone's trauma. It's really about knowing how to help folks with trauma be in our spaces and not feel harmed number one, but also feel really supported to be a human being with trauma and still be able to be present enough to learn and grow in so many of the spaces that are supposed to be healing anyways. And I created it because the reality is we can have the best of intentions. We can think our intuition is so deep and knowing, but trauma is a wild one. (laughs) And it's really hard to know exactly what it is when it's showing up in front of you and how to meet it. And so I wanted to create a program that's really accessible, simple, yet deep and like life changing. And yeah, that's creating safer space. It's pretty amazing. I love that. Oh, so beautiful. And I love that it's something that is really just like someone can kind of dive into right now. Like obviously they can be in the live experience, but it's something that's always available. So if they're kind of like having that like really deep need right now, they can go right into it. Right. Absolutely. And I want to, I wanted to make it super accessible for people who are, who are especially just learning. And mm-hmm. so it really, it like, not only is it 
$500 and usually it should be like 2000, <laughs> but, um, we offer a lot of scholarships and def- we prioritize folks in mar- marginalized populations, but it is really doable. Like it is very, very, very accessible to anyone that wants to take it. Like you send me an email, we figure it out. <laughs> yes. Oh, so be- I mean, obviously I- I'm biased because I think you're wonderful, but I mean, I think that if you compare that to like other investments you could be making in your business for $500, that is like <laughs> pretty much takes the cake, right? I've probably spent over $30,000 in my own trauma training. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, not to mention, you know, like what you would spend on getting a, a degree, right? <laughs> oh, well, that was in there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I went to, um, a private school for my master's. So I think I like, I'm like, spent way, way, way more than I should have. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wrong move. It's, I don't know if you found this too. I did, I went to a private school also. And it's really unfortunate because the programs are built for licensure. And so they don't always have the most cutting edge trauma training. And so then I had to take like years and years and years of trauma trainings on top of, three years of grad school and it just never ends. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it's so true. I was pretty lucky because where I um, interned, they had a pretty extensive um, like ability to train and stuff. Like they gave us all a ton of trainings like on top of um, what we were getting through the program, but that was more luck than planning, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, the it's the hands-on training where I learned the most for sure. So good. Thank you so much, Shelby, for being here. I think like, let's just kind of wrap up. I feel like we talked about a lot of really amazing stuff for people to kind of take away, but I feel like some of the biggest things that you and I like really wanted people to have from this was that idea of like, you really can create this in yourself and with others. And it doesn't have to function around like an institution or a launch or one specific strategy in your business or uh, one job or any of those things. And I think as soon as you lock into that as a practice, not as like a final destination, like I really do feel like there's an opening, like you were saying, like your creativity opened, your uh, literal client flow (laughs) opened, like all of this stuff kind of came from that. So I think that that's just such a cool takeaway for people to have. Is there anything else that you kind of wanted to add to that? No, I'm just kind of soaking that in as you're talking about it. That feels really complete for now. So good. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Shelby, so, so much. I feel like this was so beautiful for you to kind of lay that all out there, both again, for someone that as, you know, considering the same in their therapy work, but also for someone that's considering any other kind of big transition or loop. So just so, so grateful to you. Mm, Thank you so much. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you for listening to Literally. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking reviewers to give a free session of their own to as a thank you. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living let up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. 
If you want to hear more stories of women who have gotten killer results in their business, plus the mindset strategy and execution that got them there, download my free case study series, The Client Files. You'll read about several women's unique journeys to success and exactly how they did it. Plus, you'll be inspired to find the path that fits you. Just go to alituplife.com forward slash clients to sign up.